Welcome, everybody, to Bridge Builders Communities Church Sermon Podcast. You are listening to one of our messages from our weekly gathering. We hope that you sit back and enjoy and be blessed. Back when, when uh, I was teaching fifth grade, there was, I, I used to love to teach uh, about the human body. There was, I, I, I'm, I really like reading about health, healthy things, and because I'm reading about them, I, I was able to bring a lot of that into, into the classroom. One of the things, we used to talk about cleanliness and, you know, washing your hands and stuff, and one of the things that I, I had read that I brought to the, to the kids was the fact that Every day when we wash our hands, we have dead skin cells that fall off uh, our skin, and they're they're replaced. So that um, I think it's every seven years we get a new body. We our skin is completely taken up. That's how long it takes for the dead skin cells to all fall off and the new ones to uh, take their place. And it's something that um, you know. No, nobody ever notices it. You never see those dead skin cells in the sink or anything like that. It's something that just happens in our body. But our, our skin cells do replace themselves. In a similar fashion, our brain cells do the same thing. They are, there, there are certain brain cells that die off and they're replaced. Usually they're, they're replaced at night while we're asleep. So when we wake up in the morning, we have some new brain cells. Now, in comparison with the billions and billions and billions of brain cells we have, it's really very minor. But every single morning, we have a tremendous opportunity to train the new brain cells. And we can train them with waking up and spending time with God and training those brain cells to not be thinking, worrying about all the things that we normally do during the day, that all those distractions that we have, because there are, are, are so many distractions that we have during the day. It was um, back in January... I was looking to see, you know, what what things am I going to change this year? And there was I have a friend of mine that sends out this monthly newsletter. And when I got his newsletter, and I think it was either late December or the first week of January, I was reading his newsletter, and he was saying that uh, he was he had decided that uh, for his New Year's resolution. He was going to spend 15 minutes when he first got up in the morning to just spend that time talking to God. Not reading his Bible yet, not doing his meditation, not taking out his list of things that he was going to pray for that day. Just quiet time talking to God. And I kind of put that together with, well... What a great time to train those brain cells every morning also. So that we have that uh, opportunity to do that every morning. 
God tells us actually to do this in, in Scripture. There's a couple of uh, Scriptures like Colossians chapter 3 verse 2 says, Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Now we know in a, in a day, as we get busy, how hard that is. Because we, we know it, we have things that we have to think about. If we have a job to go to, we have to focus on that job. So the time to do that is in the morning when you want to get your day started that way. When we get our day started that way, then it, it helps us along the way to be spending time worshiping God during the day. Ephesians says, but God who is rich in mercy because of the great love that he has for us. He made us alive together with him and raised us up into the heavenlies. I had to read that over and over again. What does that mean, he raised us up into the heavenlies? Well, he actually takes our spirit and unites it with him. In the heavenly places. It's like, well, that's an amazing thing. But when you think about that in the morning when all is quiet and we don't have anything else that we have to be concerned about, our spirit can unite with Christ in the heavenlies. We can talk with him, listen to what he's saying. You know, he always has a plan and a purpose for us each and every day. And What is that plan for today? What things am I going to come across today that I can be prepared for so that I will be able to um, model Christ and be what Christ wants me to be in my my daily walk? Romans 12.2 says, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So this is the time to do that. that We want to renew our mind. So our mind is ready to keep our mind kind of focused on God through the day in everything that we do and in everything that we say. And I think it might help us to uh, improve many of our conversations and many of the uh, um, reactions that we have to the various things that are happening during, during the day. Last week, God gave us a message during our service here. And I don't know how many of us picked up on that, but the word was desperate. The first, the first thing I heard was uh, Sarah and Lance were leading one of the worship songs. And it was about being desperate for God. And I, I don't even remember which song it was. I just remember that, that, that there was a song about that. And that was followed by a prophetic message during the service. And in the prophetic message, God was asking us to be desperate for him. Then Joe got up and he was preaching uh, from Mark chapter 5 about the woman who touched the cloak of Jesus because she was desperate for healing. So when you hear God saying desperate three times in the same service, I think there's a message that's coming through that he 
wants us to be desperate for him. This is so, so important for us. And a lot of times when we just go through life and, and you know, day after day after day, we, we forget about that desperation that uh, he wants us to have. We need to be desperate in spending time with him, hearing him, finding out what his plans are, what's his purpose for us, and desperate to, to want to spend time worshiping him during the day. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for the words that you give us. We thank you for so much that uh, comes into our, our everyday lives, that you're always there. We want your presence, Lord God. We want your presence as we, uh, as we seek it, as we go through our day, Lord God, so that we will see you, know you, know the plans that you have for us, and fulfill the things, Lord, that you have for us each and every day. In your precious name, Lord, we pray. Amen. I'd like to take you into uh, Luke chapter 10. And you're going to see uh, a story here. It's very familiar. It's, it's a story that you've all heard. But we see uh, a person here that takes worship seriously. We're in verse 38 of chapter 10. It says, now it happened, as they went, that he entered a certain village. Of course, we're talking about Jesus. And a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. Some uh, uh, translations say the better part. A story like that, first of all, tells me that worship is more important than works. You know, Martha wasn't doing anything wrong. She was preparing, you know, for the dinner or whatever was happening. It was something that you would normally do. All right. But Mary chose the better thing, sitting at the feet of Jesus, trying to be in the presence of Jesus. And as you're in the presence of Jesus, we start hearing things that we never would hear if we don't if we don't do that. So there's a balance that we have to take during our normal days of work um, and and entertainment and everything else that we do. There's a balance that we want to seek God's presence in in the best way that we can. And it's different for everybody. Because we all have different lives. We all do different things. Uh, We have different types of jobs. We have different different types of forms of entertainment. We have different um, things that we do when we have our meals and stuff. So we have to figure that out. How do we... How do we 
get that balance of keeping the presence of Jesus in our lives during the times that we are doing all of these things. There are so many distractions that we have. And Jesus actually addressed that uh, when he was, he was talking to the rich young, young ruler and then, and then he turned to his disciples and he said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus wasn't condemning rich. Nothing wrong with money. All right. He gives us money all the time to do things, and sometimes he makes people very, very wealthy. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with that. It's what he's addressing are all the distractions that can come with having lots of things. See, the, um, the eye of the needle is, is a reference to back at that time, people back then would understand this. We don't normally use that term anymore because we don't have any guards around our, our towns or anything. But here, uh, where they would have a town and they would have like a fence around the town, they had a, 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 a huge gate where if a visitor came in at night, with a, uh, uh, things on a, uh, on a camel and, and it was loaded with things, you would, the gate would be open and the camel would be able to come in. But at night, they didn't want the enemy coming in through that gate, so they closed it. So the only opening they had was the eye of the needle. It was this little tiny opening that they had along the uh, fence posts. And uh, it was so thin that the camel could only fit through that area if they took all the things off the camel. So those were all your, our distractions, all the things that, we, that can weigh us down in life. Okay? So that's why Jesus said it's easier for the camel to go through that than it is for the rich man. And you know, in America, we're all rich. You compare us with the rest of the world. We always compare us with somebody that has more money than we do. But in, in our country, we really have so much in comparison with the rest of the world. So we have to be careful that the distractions in our lives don't take us away from this relationship, this intimacy that we're desiring as Christians to have with, with God. Paul said in the first Corinthians chapter six, he says, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. See, we, there's things that could be in our life that aren't sin. They're, they're lawful things to do, but God might be telling us, you know, you really need to get rid of that. That's a distraction in your life. You, only you, your relationship with God will know what those things are. So nobody can come up and say, you should do this or do this. And that's, that's not. God will tell you that. He'll show you that this is something that you need to not be doing or, or not have or whatever it might be because it's, it's reducing the amount of time you spend with God. It's taking you away from that time when you want to have that intimacy with Him. So we can hear Him, so we can hear Him clearly. 
I want to take you into an interesting story in Mark chapter 5. This is the same chapter Joe was in last last week, and, and it's also the same chapter he's going to be in next week. So we're, we're really tearing Mark chapter 5 apart. But I'm going to start in verse 1. Again, these are familiar stories. You've heard them many, many times. Um, there's a lot that you can get. This is the story of the, the, the demoniac. And uh, there's, there's so many things we can get out of this. I, I'm not going to tear this story apart, but there's a couple of things I want you to see in it. So uh, we're going to start with uh, verse 1. It says, Then they, they came, now this was Jesus and his disciples, they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately they met him, Out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. So this man is demon-possessed, and he's living with dead people in the tombs. Who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains. Because he had often been bound with shackles and chains. The chains had been pulled apart by him, And the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. He had so much power, demonic power, that he could actually pull apart these metal chains. And the shackles, which were around his wrist, he broke in pieces. So you can see the strength of the demons. I mean, they're they're very, very strong. No one could tame him. It was so bad. And we find out later on in the story that he had thousands of demons within him. But this is really what I want to show you in it. It says, and always night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. This man was in a lot of pain. And sometimes when people are in a lot of pain, uh, like maybe very extremely depressed or something, they might start cutting themselves just to relieve some of the pain. That's what he was doing. And he didn't have anything to cut himself with, so he used stones to do that. Now, when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. I, I, I find that absolutely amazing. He's got... Thousands of demons in him. And he runs to Jesus and on his knees and he's probably down at his feet worshiping him. No one, not even the devil, not even 2,000 demons can stop us from worshiping God. It's just amazing what the presence of Jesus can do. When we experience the presence of Jesus, and a lot of times in our worship, we start to experience that. We experience his presence. It's just a natural thing that you fall down and you worship him. Because that's, this, is, this is preparation for eternity. This is what we're going to be doing for all eternity. And I, I know when I get into the very deep worship. There, there's, there's no feeling that I could 
tell somebody else about, and this is how I feel, and because I can't explain it. It's just such a wonderful feeling in, in worshiping God. That's what we're going to feel for all eternity. The neat thing in eternity is we won't have the weight, all the distractions and that, that we normally have, our mind going off and, and wandering off to, to somewhere else. But here's the demoniac, and he, uh, with all of these demons, and we know later on that Jesus gets rid of all of those demons for him, but he actually runs and worships Jesus, even though he's, he's full of these demons. And Jesus eventually, like I said, casts out, cast out those demons from him. Okay, and then he winds up sitting very, very calmly uh, before uh, all the other people from the village come down. And they're amazed, obviously, at, the, at what Jesus has done with that. Romans 12.1, let me just read that one because I don't, not one of the ones I have memorized. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Um, some of the translations said this is your act of worship, all right, uh, instead of reasonable service. There's a word in there that we don't like hearing, and that's the word sacrifice. Sometimes... What God is asking us to do in order to get closer to him is sacrifice. And again, it's one of those things that we can't tell you what that sacrifice is. God's going to tell you. God's going to lead you to what it is. I mean, is that sacrifice getting up earlier in the morning? Is that sacrifice giving something up at the end of the day so that you can spend time with God? Is that sacrifice, you know, in the middle of the day, instead of doing this, you're just reading God's Word? There's just so many different things that it, it could be. And God will tell you what it is. And one day... We are all going to stand before God. And my concern would be uh, that God would tell me, you know, I had plans and purposes for you, and they never got done because you didn't spend enough time with me listening to what I was trying to tell you. Because God's always talking. He's always trying to talk with us. And it's us that can shut that down. It's us that can spend, not spend the time with him. Remember what we said two weeks about church. Church is not a place where we come on Sunday morning. It's not church. Church is a relationship. It's a relationship that we have with the living God and then a relationship that we have with each other. If we spend our days throughout our week doing, you know, trying to find what God wants us to do during that week, spending that time 
alone with him at times, whenever that might be, in worship, then what happens is we experience this time where we, we're spending time with God, we're hearing God, we're, we're following his plans, his purposes. When Sunday morning comes around and we walk in here, we say, this is the time when we can bring the, all our worship into a, a building where we can unite with all our fellow brothers and sisters and now have a time of corporate worship. We would have in here an explosion of worship. Worship wouldn't be, let's try and get into the presence of God. We're going to walk in here in the presence of God. And it would just explode as we say, it's so neat to look forward to. I've been worshiping all week, and now I get to worship with my brothers and sisters. And it just becomes a real special time. And I think that's what, when we talk about Sunday church and stuff, that's what Sunday worship, church should be. And of course, it's sharing the word here also, but it's, it is that time. When we do that, and we reach that time of excitement, we also fulfill that desperation that we're trying to have with him. The desperation that I think God was telling us about last week, that we're going to bring that into that, into that uh, time of spending time together. I want to take you into uh, Psalm 95, because Psalm 95 gives us a real example of what worship really is. He starts off with, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is the great God and the great King above all gods. We don't normally worship God for all the things he does. That's typically praise. We worship God for who he is. For he he is an eternal being. It always amazes me when I think of God, especially um, when I think of eternity. We think of eternity a lot of times with, it's never going to end. But it's also, it didn't have a beginning. And you know, we can't, we can't wrap our minds around that. Try to think of something that doesn't have a beginning. And it just doesn't work in our mind. Because you always want to go back to, when, when did it start? And it didn't start. It always was. And when we worship God, we have to remember that, the, how mighty, how powerful he is. And that's, that's what, where Psalm 95 gets into. For the Lord is the great God and the great king above all gods. We, we have so much 
in our society today that tries to give us another god. You know, something else that we can worship. And we have to be careful not to fall into those traps. I mean, society is going to do it, but we can't. Verse 4 says, In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. So he created all of this and owns it, and it was all created out of nothing. And then finally, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Worship is a, an attitude. It's an attitude of reverence that we have. We understand exactly where we are, where we stand with God. Okay, we're the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. 